Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Point of Sale, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and the data they use to make decisions. I'm super excited. We're in a whole new year, 2022, not 2020 again, but 2022. And I'm just excited to see what this year brings. We had a lot of really fun technology uh, and different types of investments last year that really changed the way that retailers looked at their supply chains. And, you know, there's a, a fun re uh <laughs> re brought up from the past video going around twitter of of walmart and their metaverse or what their virtual reality shopping could be like and you know it's just really cool to be a part of freight waves and, and talk to the people that are actually putting together the technology to make that kind of stuff happen i mean it's just so crazy to think that there's a time where we're going to be able to you know virtually go to the grocery store, know exactly what's in stock, what's in stock in our own homes, have everything connected and and be able to make our life decisions a lot easier. So that way we can spend time with our family and really make what's best out of life. But besides that, uh, I do want to thank again our sponsors, ArcBest, for continuing to sponsor this podcast. As you guys know, ArcBest is more than logistics. Wherever you do, or whatever you do, whatever you ship, ArcBest makes it easier for you to do business. They combine reliable capacity, innovative technology, and trusted relationships to take the complexity out of your supply chain and keep your shipments moving. And that's what makes ArcBest more than logistics. And again, you know, thank you to them for this past year being such a great sponsor. I'm excited to see what they bring to us here in the future. Um, and in case you guys didn't know, Point of Sale is not just a fun podcast, video, however you guys experience this, uh, but we actually have a whole community and a newsletter that goes out twice a week as well. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had about uh, one um, a newsletter per week just because of the holidays, but new year, new us, we're going to get back on that twice a week grind and make sure that you guys are getting all the update information that you guys need on your retail supply chain. So make sure you go to www.freightways.com slash POS to sign up for that. And you'll also uh, make sure you guys subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it so that you can continue to get updates as well. Uh, I will say we're going into this new year with at least one new subscriber because I actually got my father to subscribe to this on his iPad that he's just learning to use this last week. So make sure you guys go ahead and do that as well. Uh, and other than that, I want to dive into some of the uh, subjects we've been talking about in the past newsletter. Uh, this one last week, going into the new year, I figured perfect time for us to go into top trends, right? Um, and I think the first one, and I think the one we'll see a lot more improvement and more investment in, in this upcoming year is warehouse automation. Um, you know, it's funny diving into a lot of like real estate right now where a lot of companies are buying warehouse real estate um, and, and a lot of micro fulfillment centers. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting articles on freeways. Mark Sullivan is a great art, uh, author. If you guys want to check out his writing on our site, 
But it's interesting to see all of this uh, this investment in more real estate space, but we're having such uh, big issues right now in finding um, people for those jobs. So that's where warehouse automation can really help, right? It's not just about making um, it easier to get a shipment from A to B as fast as possible. Lifetime automation helps uh, pick up the slack where we can't find people to do that specific job. So, you know, we've covered a lot of different types of automation, whether it's, you know, uh, AMRs or robots working inside um, different warehouses, whether it's just picking and sorting ro robots. One of my favorites is, especially when it comes to picking and sorting these uh, robots that are learning from the humans that they're working with. Uh, if that's not scary, right? But <laughs> I think there's a lot of different ways we're going to see uh, automation in general. And I'm excited to see, I know Walmart has got some uh, mostly automated warehouses already. XBO is huge in this, um, especially they have a whole Nestle uh, warehouse over in the UK that I'd love to to dive into on this podcast this upcoming year as well. So lot of fun things I'm hoping to uh, entertain you guys with. Um, again, if you guys have any interest in the future, of letting me know of topics that we should discuss or maybe just something cool that you've heard behind the scenes, feel free to shoot me an email off that newsletter and I will gladly uh, set some time aside and, and talk about the supply chain with you. Uh, second thing that we dove into, of course, is last mile delivery services. Uh, raise your hand if you know someone that works for one. Raise your hand if you know someone who uses one right here all day long. I think DoorDash is here just uh, incredibly too much. So um, we have a lot of retailers who are either investing in their own last mile delivery services, working off the backs of others like DoorDash or Uber and things of that nature. So uh, that is one where I am excited to see it grow. I'm actually more interested in regulations on it, how our government is working with these last mile delivery services to make sure that these type of workers are getting all of the same rights as, as any other workers as well. So I think in this new upcoming new year, we probably will see, honestly, I think we'll see more of it um, compact, a lot of mergers and acquisitions within the space, probably a little bit more regulation than we've seen. But Thankfully, it is a, a, a midterm election year, so maybe maybe not so much, but uh, we'll keep you updated on that. And then lastly is more of a new trend for the last couple of months. We've talked about a lot, so I'm not going to dive into it too much today, but just, of course, buying your own supply chain. You know, we talked about this. Um, actually, if you guys saw one of our other communities, Check Call, I was on it with Mary, who's actually joining us today. But um, we talked about that one in particular, how we're starting to see retailers really think about, hey, how can we, you know, increase our value to our shareholders by investing our own in supply chain or just have more control over our brand and, and the types of customers that we're servicing if we could get closer to them through our supply chain. So I'm excited to see if we see more of that this year. You're already starting to see more on the truckload side. Schneider today just bought a, a bunch of assets um, from a logistics company in the Midwest. So I think it's going to be more of a, an acquisition, merger and acquisition type of year, but um, it is early. Uh, just a, just a, intelligent guests coming from this way. Uh, last but not least, though, we also dove into the sonar chart of the day. Honestly, I won't really want to call it the sonar chart of the year. Uh, and this one, I wanted to show you guys to just visualize the overall growth of the retail market within the U.S. 
This is looking at the retail sales millions from 2014, sorry, 2013 up until now. As, is, as you can see, it has exploded. Of course, we have that huge dip like we do in most markets um, right around when COVID and pandem pandemic shutdowns happened. But um, the biggest thing to notice is, I mean, in the last, oh, for the last uh, couple of years, I think from six until now, we've seen about a 45% increase in sales. That, that's not going anywhere. As we make it more accessible to consumers, the sales are going to continue to go up. I also added in there the DHL supply chain index, which shows basically any number over 50 means that the carriers have the power in their hands. What you can see is ever since that pandemic shift, the carriers have had that power and the retail sales haven't stopped. Um, so the reason I bring this up is it's a nice segue into our guest today. I figured, you know, time like this, how are brokerages starting to um, diversify their own portfolios and, and start working with retail companies? Um, they are a little bit different and a little bit more of a challenge than just regular um, goods and services. So who better than to bring Mary O'Connell, our own Freight Waves 3PL expert on the show, to explain to us a little bit more how that uh, supply chain works. Mary, thank you so much for being on with us today. Hi, Grace. Thank you so much for having us, or me, not us. <laughs> We're all just two people living in our heads, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm super excited for Mary to be here, especially because last week she let me on her show. Um, I figured we could have a nice kiki on my show as well and just keep this uh, this back and forth going, these crossover events. Who didn't love crossover? Like in CSI, when I crossovers, those were the best episodes. So I mean, Thomas um, and I'm I had a holiday crossover event of the year with Loaded and Rolling. So, you know, we had holiday sweaters in the whole nine yards so i'm here for crossover january and december perfect yes we all, we all love it and i'm excited for our audience to meet you as well and um just in general mary do you think it's possible for smaller to medium-sized brokers to provide services to large retailers and have you had experience in that in the past Absolutely. Absolutely. I do think that there, I think that all brokers should have a nice or all brokerages and 3PL should have a pretty diverse portfolio. Like, um, cause some specialize mostly in just automotive or, um, like grocery or something like that, or agriculture. I think everyone like should have a diverse thing. You shouldn't just have one thing. You don't need just one large customer because then the second that customer is not happy or something happens, um, they go bankrupt. For example, um, I worked at a 3PL when we had Toys R Us uh, when they went bankrupt. So that was a really fun day mm -hmm. where they were like, hey, by the way, uh, Toys R Us just filed for bankruptcy. And we're like, no, no, no. That's like a funny joke because it was a running thing that everyone's like, oh, when will Toys R Us file for bankruptcy? Because it wasn't a secret. They weren't doing well. Um, and then they filed and we were all like, uh, what do we do now? But thankfully we had some other retail customers to make up for it, but we also had some, um, food and some agriculture and, um, medical supply products that kind of rounded us out. So that way, um, our Toys R Us team who that was exclusively what they worked on, they, we didn't have to lay off a whole team of people. 
we had be, we could just shift them over um, to other departments that needed help and kind of <clears throat> basically you don't walk into work one day and they say, well, I'm sorry, you're not going to have a job today. Um, so I think that that's definitely important is to make sure that you're not all in on one customer, regardless if it's retail or not. Um, I think it's important to have a nice diverse portfolio. Um, but no, I absolutely think that there is room for a small to medium sized broker to help out, whether it be, um, just shipping things to a distribution center, making those final deliveries to the stores, um, shipping from um, like, so if you're Macy's and you have Levi's inside your store, um, even if it's just shipping from Levi's to the Macy's distribution center, um, getting those goods to that warehouse or that DC, I think is like, there's definitely room in that. And I mean, your opportunities are endless, really. It's a matter of just how far do you want to go down the supply chain rabbit hole? <laughs> very far, very far down it. Um, <laughs> and can you dive into like your role in dealing with these supply chains? How were you more on the operations side of it? And, and how did you go about servicing those type of accounts? Did they take extra work or were they a little bit more needy? Were they just get it there on time? I don't want to hear from you. How, how did that work for you? <laughs> Um, so I did, I had the unique ability of being on both sides. So when I started in transportation, I started in operations, you know, operations support, track and trace, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we did it for, it was for Anheuser-Busch, which isn't proper retail, but they went into a lot of stores and, um, a lot of food and beverage. Um, but then, um, I just kind of had the unique experience to broker into retail as well as, um, the as well as operations there and then uh the time i spent the most time in retail was actually in the ltl pricing side um because retailers don't often have um like sometimes if it's a seasonal thing or something small um they don't have a lot of they they don't have enough product to fill up an entire truck so you know we'll ship at ltl or we need these two pallets to get there quicker and we can't get a truck there um so we had uh, the unique ability to I've kind of touched all different spots of the retail supply chain. And I mean, there's some that I think it honestly comes down to your customer because I've had some customers that are like, why are you talking to me? Like I pay you to do this job, please leave me alone. And I'm just like, okay, so sorry. <laughs> just wanted to, just wanted to over communicate, let you know what was happening. And they're like, we don't care please stop. Um, and then I have one who I will like be like, Hey, your shipment picked up. Hey, I booked it for this or, Hey, this is this, this is this. And they're like, that's not enough information. We need more information. I'm like, well, I'm literally giving you everything I have. Like, I mean, I'm not going to call a driver every hour because he's going to get real mad at me and never haul your load again. So we're just not going to do that. Um, but I think it's just about finding the balance of keeping your customer happy, making sure that they feel that their voices are heard, their needs are met, while still like not not pissing off your drivers. Because without the drivers, you don't really have anything. So um, I think it's just kind of about finding that balance and meeting in the middle of like, okay, I can't give you an update every hour because you're insane. But what I can give you is like in the middle of the day, this is everything that's picked up this morning. This is everything that's picking up this evening. Um, and this is everything I have booked for tomorrow and the costs that we like have agreed on. Um, so that way there's really no surprises from the, when it leaves the warehouse back to even when it gets billed. So I think it's just about kind of managing those customer expectations, um, regardless of if they are high maintenance customer or not, because, um, 
any customer can be a high maintenance customer. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Any any type of freight can can give cause a headache. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, what were some of the difficulties like that you had to overcome when dealing with retailers? Was it? I know for me personally, I didn't do a lot of it, but I did work with like a pretty large. Uh, a ball company, like a company that makes those giant balls you see like behind <laughs> the, um, you know, like if they look like if you like opened it up, they bounce all over the store. Um, and I remember for like the, for a while they like would um, actually like blow them up before shipping them and, instead of like figuring out, they maybe like have them be empty. So like the bidding process yeah. was really interesting because <laughs> like it was, air basically you're moving and it was so is there anything like weird did you have any weird processes was procuring drivers for it more difficult like how did you go about actually fulfilling the capacity for those type of loads um so we the only customer that i had um most of them were just like drive van random one-off like oh why do you have this load of like a I don't, it was just random stuff, but the one that was probably the most challenging, um, was backyard furniture sets, like not furniture sets, um, like the backyard swing sets that you would build for like a kid to go like jump off of and probably break your wrist. Um, those, uh, cause those they're heavy and they're long. And so they did strictly residential deliveries. So you tell me how to find a truck that will have something that takes up roughly three pallets to four pallets worth of space and is still like a thousand pounds. Cause it's not like a, a light. It's like a, it's a swing set. Like it's a heavy duty swing <laughs> set. So it's super heavy. And like you, we had to like, you couldn't just like pallet jacket off the truck. You had to like, I, I still have no idea how they unloaded it. I know that it was an art form and we found like one guy that was like, yeah, I have no problem doing this. And I'm like, cool. That's you all day, buddy. That's you. If you have a friend that wants to do this, I have as much work as you can handle. Um, because it's just awkward and big and, um, you can't really ship an LTL because then you're paying thousands of dollars. You just kind of have to like stick it on a truck with something else and like hope that it kind of works out. Um, but again, they're so heavy that you can't really load the air. You can't really load the truck up that much more because then it's just a nightmare. Basically, um, it just requires a lot of like the biggest thing that I had to do with my customers was like I sat down in the beginning and I was like, OK, what does this product look like when it's shipped? How much does it average weigh? Like, give me all of your weights for your products. So that way I know like like we got down to the skew for them because we had to because it like their swing sets would range anything from like a tree house that you would build in a tree to like a hundred dollar swing set that you could put together in a box in an afternoon. So it was kind of, um, they had so many different things that I was like, we have to sit down we have to figure this out because I can't put a swing set in a box that you put together in an afternoon on a truck with like the guy, like the one guy that will like unload your giant swing set. I was like, we can't put those, like we can't get those mixed up. I can't waste that guy's time um, when I can just toss a bunch of boxes on another truck and call it good because I can find that anywhere. Um, so I think it was mostly the biggest thing that I had to do was sit down with my customers. I guess this is true for any like customer retail 
specifically, because they're a little bit weirder, um, is like, what are your products? What does a typical delivery look like? Like get is like, just literally have like a 20 minute conversation of like, all right, from pickup to delivery, how does the shipment look? Like what's the product? And um, just kind of have those conversations with them to set everyone up for success pretty much. Love that. Uh, you know, um, Cassandra Gaines does Mad Gaines now here on Freight Waves. I'm so glad we got her yes. to join our team here. Her and I always say it's the shippers that actually are a lot of the problems in this industry. And it's it's funny to me how often uh, they think it's it's easier to move their product than it actually is. And, and also, how many think that a pallet jack can move anything and everything off the truck? Like, <laughs> it, it can't. We actually. Well, there's a pallet. How come I can't come off? Well, no, there's uh, there are so many reasons why that's not going to work right now. Um, real quick for me, Mary, before we wrap up the show, um, if you could give a three PL looking to to diversify into retail, um, two quick tips. What would you give them in preparing themselves for that type of work? Um, I would say do as much research as you can. Like, um, there's. Like if you want to, anytime you want to get into a new industry or something like that, look around like the sweater I'm wearing. Okay. Well, like I bought it from Target, but like, how did they get to Target? Did Target make it in the back of the store? Um, there's so many different aspects of the supply chain that you can get involved in that. Like you don't have to handle all of Target's loads for an entire city. No, just start with like a couple lanes here and there, start small, see if you like the customers, see if you can get in a little bit more and make sure it's still a good fit for you. Um, do your research on how they ship. If it's a live load, live unload, um, drop trailer, do as much research as you can. Even just call and be like, Hey man, like, what does it look like to ship a load with you? I would like to someday, but just never be afraid to like humble yourself and be like, how do like, what do you look like? What does this look like? I don't know everything about your product, but you do. So what can you teach me to be the most successful? So I would definitely just say, do as much research as you can and never be afraid to start small because you never know how one or two loads here could turn into multiple millions of dollars down the road. I love that. Thank you so much, Mary, for being on the show. Uh, as soon as, as I get off this, I will send you over some cat pictures so we can continue to spread some animal joy here at Freightways. Yes, yes. I love Yay. it. Thank you so much for having me, Grace. It's been a blast. And uh, everyone can uh, go to www.freightways.com, go to our newsletters and communities, go to Check Call and make sure you subscribe to get her newsletters as well. Um, you know, that's the reason for this episode is to really show you guys that when you see a market like this growing and it's not going anywhere, it's, it's about time to start trying to figure out how to get your, your hands into that that uh that puddle that's not right but um make sure that you guys are diversifying your portfolios no matter how big or small brokerage you are if you're a sales rep you always want to make sure that you're in different markets and that you're staying up to date with the trends and let's be honest retail's here and it's not going anywhere soon so um i really appreciate her time on here and exploring you know how easy it can be to get that type of customer and the problems that you need to be prepared for when servicing that freight um, coming up this year, I want to dive into some really fun topics. I want to, I'm going to be visiting, um, some Amazon return stores to dive into the return processes and what's happening at those locations. I want to teach you guys a little bit more about supply chain 
twins and how that's really going to innovate the way that we're looking at supply chains today and how we even procure capacity for them as well. And lastly, diving in, of course, into automation and how we're adding even more robotics and automation within our warehouses to make sure that our goods are being moved efficiently and, and properly as well. Um, I want you guys to make sure that you're continuing to be a part of this community. Feel free to respond to our newsletters. You can go to www.freightways.com slash POS to get registered for those. Once you reply to that, it goes directly to me. So I love meeting new people. Feel free to shoot me an email, even if it's just to say hi. I'd love to interact with you guys a little bit more. But for everyone listening, make sure you subscribe so that you um, get a notification to let you know that we're here. We've got a new episode. Other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of of your week. Uh, Watch out for my newsletters and keep on shopping.